1: I want to welcome everybody here in the room, everybody watching online as well. You know, I'm really jazzed about what we're doing over the next few weeks because we're launching into this new series called Next Gen, and it's really centered around highlighting and celebrating the next generation of leaders in the church of Jesus Christ. Now specifically, you're going to hear from three young men in our church. They're all around 30 years of age, and they've each dedicated their lives to full-time vocational ministry. Now, you're going to recognize these guys. They've been around here. They've been doing ministry here in the church and various parts of ministry, whether it's worship, children, youth, missions, and so forth. But now they are all three full-time ordained ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, no longer just directors of ministry. The elders have officially affirmed them as pastors. And that is a big, big deal that we're excited about. Yeah, we can get a round of applause for that. Now, this series is going to be important for for several reasons. First of all, it shows that we at Hill Country Bible Church are committed to the church of the future. Like, what is the church going to be like in 20, 40, 60 years down the line, right? And because of that, you know, these men, if there are any indication of where we're going, I would say our future is bright, people. And you're going to hear from each of them over the next few weeks, because they're going to share with you sort of their story, their calling, and their passion for ministry, And they're also going to issue a challenge to you based on a favorite passage of Scripture that has spoken to them personally in their own lives. Now, a second reason I'm stoked about this is because a big part of my role as senior pastor here and the other more seasoned pastors on staff is to invest in the next generation of church leadership, okay? That's very, very important. Now, don't get me wrong. I've still got plenty of gas in the tank, plenty of life left in me, okay? I'm just 36, 37... 45, would you go for that? Right, you're not allowed to laugh at the next number. I'll be really offended. Okay, I'm 57. Yeah, that's, that's okay. You know, and actually say your 50s and 60s, those are kind of prime years for being a senior pastor. But you know what? It's never too early to invest in the future of leadership in the church. And we truly believe that because if the Lord should tarry, we want the church of Jesus Christ to be strong 30 years from now, 50 years from now, 70 years from now. And it's been said, your greatest accomplishments in life are not what you do personally, but rather the legacy you leave behind. And I got to tell you, as much as I enjoy doing ministry personally, I have found such incredible satisfaction in building into these younger guys who are going to be carrying the baton into the future. Okay, so that's super important for me. And I'm committed to invest more and more of my time in the spiritual, biblical, theological development of the next generation of leaders. I ran across this quote that I love by Leonard Sweet. He said, what you do is your history. What you set in motion is your legacy. Now, a final reason that I'm excited to have these young pastors share with you is because of all the time and effort, the work that they have put into becoming an ordained minister. Uh, It takes upwards of two years of hard work and study and training to go through our ordination process. And you may be wondering, well, why is that? Like, what is, what is all the ordination process? What does it entail? Okay, I'm, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to share it with you, all right? Here, here it is. Um, let, let me just tell you, first of all, what ordination is and is not, and then we'll get into the whole process. First of all, ordination does not mean that these guys are going anywhere, okay? Sometimes people think, oh, well, somebody comes into a church, they go through this process, they get trained, and then they go out and they take their own church, they become a senior pastor right? Not at all. In fact, only one of these three individuals has aspirations in the future toward being a senior pastor. And if you look just in our country and overall, most pastors are not senior pastors of church, okay? And so these guys, they're firmly entrenched in what they're doing here. They're excited about doing ministry here, whether it's worship, children, youth, missions, et cetera. So what does ordination mean? Well, let me just read you our official statement on this. I think it's important for you to understand. Ordination means the elders of the local church have agreed with the Holy Spirit to set aside an individual for lifelong pastoral work after a careful examination process to determine sound biblical theology, godliness and proven biblical character, and a confidence that God has gifted and chosen him for pastoral work. Now, to give you an idea of how in-depth this qualification process is, I want to share with you an overview of what these guys have been through training-wise. And I jotted all this down so I didn't miss anything big. Regarding theological and biblical literacy, they went through hundreds of pages of of readings, uh, theological journals, articles, books that they've read. They went through two in depth theology courses. Regarding conversion, character, and calling, they had to meet the biblical qualifications for elders and church leaders, the 20 characteristics you find over in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. They were also tested and approved in the following areas devotional life family life, financial stewardship, and spiritual gifting. Additionally, they had to be able to articulate alignment with our vision and our mission, and even their position on controversial issues in the church like spiritual gifts, prosperity theology, women in church leadership, divorce, remarriage. And then finally, they were trained in practical ministry skills. This includes leadership, evangelism, discipleship, teaching, preaching, counseling, Hospital visitation, missions, communion, baptisms, weddings, and funerals. Phew, right? Now, I share all that with you just to let you know how committed these men are. You know, and I thought about the passage where Paul wrote to Timothy and said, don't let anyone look down on your youthfulness. And I'll say this, these guys may be young, but they're fully equipped for ministry. And to a man, our elder board unequivocally stands behind each and every one of these men. So now that you know the purpose of this series, you know why ordination is such a big deal, I want to say a word about the guy who's going to be speaking with you this morning, Troy Robinson. Uh, Troy and I, we met about four years ago. He came to the church on a Sunday morning, and then by God's hand, I I believe by God's sovereignty, we actually ran into each other at the gym that afternoon, got to know the guy, and before long, God spoke to me about this man. And said, I've got some big plans in ministry for him, and you're gonna be a part of that. Well, at the time I had no idea what that meant. But we struck up a friendship, got involved in the church, he started volunteering here. Eventually, my wife and I we did premarital counseling with he and Ashley, did their wedding, and then he came on church here. And then I'll let him tell the rest of the story to you. But I do want to say this about this guy right here. I love this man deeply. And if you know him, you know that his passion and his enthusiasm for Jesus Christ is like second to none. I mean, he, it's just been a joy for me to be able to train him, to lead him over the years here. And I have zero question in my mind that God has gifted him for ministry and called him into vocational ministry. And right now, he's doing a bang-up job, not only as our youth pastor of the church, but also in various other ministries of the church. So without any further ado, how about a big round of applause for Pastor... Troy Robinson. Stop, stop. <laughs> <I'll
0: be gross>. <laughs> <Fine>. <laughs> yes, sir. All right, y'all. Um, I don't know how I, how I top that, um, but I, I do, before I even start um, going into my sermon day, I, I have to thank God first and foremost. Y'all, you know, Without him, I literally would not be here. In January of this year, I talked about how I almost, I almost died. And without him, I literally would not be standing in front of you today. So God works in mysterious ways, and it, it, it blows my mind just how awesome he is to me. you know, I also have to thank Pastor Brian and the, the leadership here at Hill Country Bible Church Georgetown, because like he said, y'all, he, they took a chance on me. You know, my, my, my now wife, girlfriend at the time, we, we came here on a Sunday morning and we saw the God Box presentation and he said, when you, when you put an index card in there, if you take it out, you're taking it away from God, you want to do that? And I said, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. And so we, we got that and then y'all, I went to the gym and Brian was in mid bench press and I said, that's a senior pastor, I have to go talk to him. And so I did, and I, and I told him, hey, Pastor Brian, my name's Troy, my girlfriend at the time, uh, we, we're, going, we're going to your church, and, and I'm in the, the Master's Divinity program at Liberty University, and, and I, I want to I be a part of the church just to volunteer. And so I said, yeah, dude, come on, we need some help. And so I, I came, I started volunteering. A couple months later, they brought me on part-time as I was working another full-time job, and then in October of 2020, I got the full-time position. So I, I thank them and everyone here at Hill Country because, again, they took a risk on me and I will be forever grateful to them. So, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Brian in passing kind of said, Hey Troy, what's your, what's your life first or what's your life scripture that speaks into your life? And before I, even, before I even thought, I went, This is my life scripture. And he said, All right, cool. In a couple of weeks, you're preaching on it, so good luck. <laughs> All right, cool. So, I went home excited and I was pumped, and I was like, okay, I I said this. But as I began to pray and begin to think and and talk to my wife about it, I I thought, why why did I choose that one? But before we get into that, Brian also asked me to talk to y'all a little bit about myself and give y'all kind of my my testimony in a speed round. So, I'm going to try to get through this as quickly as I can. So, it all started on April 15th, 1992. So, you can see some baby pictures behind me. And so this, this is me. Um, if you were ever to see my little baby girl, Ainsley May, that is a spitting image of her. It's crazy to kind of see Ainsley May growing up. I have to, I have to say a shout out. Hey, baby, I love you so much. They're, they're at home today because they, she is sick. And so I'm here. Mom and baby are home. But I love you. I love you, babe. Thanks so much. But my baby girl is awesome. You know, I love her. But that is a spitting image of her. And so I was born on April 15th, 1992 in San Jose, California. What? I lost you. I lost some of you. I know I I did. So let me rail you back in for a second. So I was only there for two years, y'all. I was only there two years. Then I moved to Pflugerville, Texas, okay? So I hope I I I brought you back. I was there two years. I am Texan through and through. The only thing California about me is my birth certificate. So I have to say that I had a really awesome childhood. You all I I grew up in church. I I went to a Lutheran church for a very long time. And you know, when I was knee-high to a grasshopper, I was there. I was there in the day school. I went to to uh, kids' church. I went to the VBSs when my mom and dad were tearing up and setting down, or setting up and tearing down for activities. I was there, running around the parish hall. I did the the potlucks. You name it; if the church had it, I was there. And I grew up in church was a huge part of my upbringing. Another part of my upbringing was friends. Y'all, my my house was the place to be. I had friends over all the time. And if you know my mom, my mom loves to cook. and, And she never, ever, ever let anybody leave without a full stomach. So friendship and family was a huge part of our life. And then as I, as I grew up, my parents put me in the Tiger Cubs, and I became a wee below, and then I got my, my Eagle Scout in 2009. And so any Eagle Scouts in here? Can I see? Anybody? Anybody? I'm alone. All right, cool. I'm an Eagle Scout. So a huge accomplishment, y'all, but, but the, 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 the part that I loved about that is that the, the Boy Scouts, they taught me how to be a leader, and they taught me how to be with men my own age and how to direct them and guide them and love them. And so Boy Scouts was a huge part of my upbringing. And I, and I have to, I have to give props to my mom and dad. They, they, they gave me a great childhood. And y'all, you know, I never went without anything that I needed. There are obviously things that I wanted that I didn't get right, but everything that I needed, my parents gave me. So I'm, so I'm blessed in that. You're now going to see a couple more pictures of young Troy. So There's young, young Troy. And so a goofy one, right? You know, there's some students in here. I was throwing up fours way before y'all were. If you see the the picture up there, so I was throwing that up a long time ago, but I was the goofy one. I was the outgoing one. I was what people called the life of the party, and I'm blessed because God gave me that personality. It's not my own doing, but I am number three out of four. I have an older sister, an older brother myself, and then my younger sister. I have two nieces. I also have two stepsisters and a stepbrother, so my family is a little bit blended as well. So like I said, I'm the one that was outgoing. I was the the life of the party. I am that weird guy, y'all, that will walk up to you if you're alone and say, hello, I'm Troy, how are you? So if you're here alone at church, don't be surprised if I walk up to you and start talking to you because I want you to feel welcomed. I want you to feel loved. I want you to feel included. And that's what I try to do in our youth group. So moved to Pflugerville when I was two, and then in seventh grade my life, kind of took a little bit of a turn for, for the good. And, and it, that was during the time when uh, the, 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 stack mar- the stock market was starting to crash, and my dad lost his job. And so he moved to Washington State, and he became the executive director at a boys' ranch. And so this boys' ranch was called Jubilee Youth Ranch, and this was for at-risk youth. So young men from 12 to 17 came there who were in gangs, who committed crimes, who were caught drinking, or who were just misfits. And so the parents had the opportunity to, to send them to Jubilee Youth Ranch to kind of get their life back on track. And when I moved there, I was 12 years old, so I, I was right with them. I was in their dorms with them. I was playing video games with them. I was playing basketball. I was playing catch. Y'all, I was the team manager of their football team because I couldn't play with them because I didn't go to school with them. But, y'all, we lived right on campus in the middle of this beautiful apple orchard. And so for those two and a half years that I was there, I got to minister to them. During that time, I had no idea I was ministering to them and showing Christ's love, but that's what I was able to do at 12 to 15 years old. And by, by the time two and a half years came, my family was ready to get back to Texas. Like I said, we are Texan through and through. So we moved back to Texas my sophomore year of high school. You're going to see some high school pictures of Troy. And so if you, if you see that picture, I'm getting my head shaved into what is a mohawk. And, and that is my old youth pastor. And so I was very involved as soon as we moved back, got very involved back in my youth group. And, and, and when I, what I was getting my head shaved for was this thing called Wild Week that we did every single summer. And this was a camp for fifth and sixth graders to come to the church. They, we started at 8 a.m. and we ended at 5 p.m. So we would go out into the community and we would do all these fun, crazy activities. They would, they would get taught the word of God. We would have worship. We would have small groups. We have time of prayer. We would have little Bible studies within our, our individual teams. And I got to be a part of that. And so my first two years years of Wild Week, I was a student leader um, for a small group of about 10 to 12 fifth and sixth grade students. And so I got to lead them in Bible study. I got to teach them the word of God. I got to pray over them and just show them what being a cool high schooler is like, right? You like when people look up to you, so you want to show them how cool you are. So I got to be a part of that. And then after I graduated, I was then the leader of those student leaders. So before the students came, I got to pray with those student leaders. I got to show them or tell them about my experiences being a leader of those small groups. And I got to help my youth pastor as well plan some of those activities. So church and my relationship with Jesus was a huge part of my life. But then in 2010, Things changed for me, and there are some things that happened in my life that I will not go into detail about. But if you want to know, I am free whenever for coffee because I love coffee. So let me know; I'll tell you more about it. But you're going to see some pictures of college Troy now and after college Troy. And so those things happened, y'all, and I and I I was mad, and I was angry, and I was hurt, and I was frustrated, and I was numb to anything. And in that time of my life, I said there is no such thing as God. Everything that was taught to me is unreal and not true. I'm done. So, for two years after I graduated from high school, I lived for the world. I started drinking. I started having girlfriend after girlfriend after girlfriend. You Use your imagination. I started doing things that I should not be doing. And then in 2012, I was sitting on the back porch of my, at my mom's house, and I, I, y'all, I heard audibly God say, go to UMHB. I said, okay, I'll go. I applied for UMHB, got accepted, started in UMHB the spring of 2012, and y'all, I was there and I was partying it up and getting the college life experience still, even though I knew God had told me, go. I started living for myself, I was doing anything to make myself look better than the person next to me. In 2016, I then graduated from UMHB with a business degree, and, and I don't know if y'all know anything about the business degree, but at UMHB, you have to have 100 hours of an internship program, and so I entered for McLean Company, who was stationed in Temple, Texas, but they're all over the United States, and I was, I was one of four who actually got hired on in McLean because I did a good job, and they said, hey, we, we want to hire you, and, and you get a salary pay, and I said, yeah, I'm going to take that. I need to make money. I said, all right, you have, there's one stipulation to that, so what is it? said, you're moving to Ohio. I said, okay, cool. I don't know anybody there. I'll go, I'll go make some money and I'll come back to Texas in a couple years and, and raise up the ranks. So whew, off I went to Ohio and, and there was a two-day trip. I, I didn't have a whole lot of stuff because I'm a college kid, right? So I had my truck and I had a U-Haul pulled behind me. And, and during that whole two or that two-day period, my mom was in the passenger seat with me. And my mom got to talk, me and my mom got to talk about deep things. We got to talk about surface level things. But there are two things in particular that I will never, ever, ever forget that she said to me. The first thing she said is, Troy, the reason you're going to Ohio is not because of your job. And I looked at her and I was like, okay, mom, I don't know what that means, but I'm going there for my job. Little did I know she was very correct on why I went there. The second thing she said is as soon as she got out of my truck to get on the airplane to fly back to Texas, she said, Troy, get your butt in church. And I did. That next Sunday, I went to Hope Christian Church in Avon, Ohio, y'all, my life radically changed. I, I helped out with celebration recovery. That's f- f- for people who have hurts, habits, and hangups. They go there. I was helping out watching the kids. I, was a, I ended up being a greeter. I was at the information desk telling people about, about the church. I, I became a Sunday coordinator when they trusted me enough, and they gave me a key to the church, and they said, hey, after the pastors leave, you lock up. That way we can go home to our family. You know, I was involved deeply at Hope Christian Church. And, and while I was there and as I was involved, the, the associate pastor put his arm around me and said, hey, Troy, I want to mentor you. I said, yeah, Bob, that sounds great. He started talking to me about Jesus and started talking to me about forgiveness and talked to me about this love that Christ had. He said, do you know that? I said, yeah, I know that, Bob, but I'm too far gone. I can't, I can't earn that back. He said, Troy, nobody is too far gone. And so he took me under his wing and began to mentor me and y'all. And I started to take my faith with Christ seriously. And then in, in a, a few short years later, I was done with the sales job. I was done with that. I was like, God has called me to ministry. I moved home with no job and I started the MDiv program at Liberty University. And, and during that time, y'all, my life went. And you're going to see some pictures of of me after that with uh, my, my, my family. And so I started going to Liberty University. I, I then met my now wife, Ashley. We dated for eight months. I asked her to marry me, and we got married on May 15th, 2020, down at the youth house. And the reason we got down, married down at the youth house was COVID kind of took over, but we wanted to get married. And Brian's like, you're getting married, dude. I did your premarital counsel. You're getting married. So we got married down at the youth house. And again, during that time of me going to school, Brian, you know, said, hey, I want, I, I want you to help us out with this. I became a volunteer. And then a couple months later, I, I began working part-time. And then eventually, I became, I came full-time in October of 2020. And then, y'all, you know, the biggest change in my life happened on August 7th, 2021, when we got that sweet little baby girl. You know, so that's my life in a nutshell. That's quick, it's fast. If you want to know more stuff, I am happy to talk to you about all the messy, dumb things that I did, because I am an open book, because it shows that Christ can love anybody. But the reason I share this with you, the reason that I tell you about this is once so you get my background, so you don't think, oh, here comes a, a pastor, he's holier than thou and never had any hardship. Y'all, that's far from the truth. I was the dirty sinner, the, the hated tax collector. So I want you to know a little bit about me and how Christ can even change this guy's life. I also want you to know about this because I'm about to dive into my life first, and it's going to make a lot more sense of why I chose the verse that I chose. During all of those times, all the, the, the good of following Christ and the, the defiant times of leaving Christ, what I did not realize is that Christ never left me. In the good, in the bad, and in the ugly. So what we're going to be talking about today, y'all, it's going to be awesome. So back to that dilemma. Why did I just give Brian this life verse? Why? I could have chosen any, y'all, from Genesis to Revelation, there's a whole bunch of good stuff. And I chose one section. What was I thinking? I could have shared with y'all Philippians 4.13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Y'all, this is written by Paul in prison. And, and I hung out at Jubilee Youth Ranch with kids who were in jail. There is no love. There is no hope. There is no mercy, grace, or kindness there. But Paul was there, and he wrote about he can do anything through Christ, and I can motivate the congregation by saying, if you're going through stuff, lean on him because he gives you strength. That would have been a good sermon. I didn't choose it, though. I could have talked about Joshua 1.9, and he's, he's got a little bit more. He was leading a whole lot more people, but I can, I can feel him because, y'all, I'm nervous to be a youth pastor. It's a little bit intimidating, but I read this, Joshua nine. have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Yeah. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What? This is Joshua. He had just taken over from Moses because Moses has passed away and he's leading the Israelites into the promised land. And Joshua is scared. Yeah, I would be too. But I could could have said, man, I'm challenging you with this. Even though there are things that you cannot handle, God has got you. Y'all, and that would have preached. But I didn't choose that one either. I could have wrote, chosen Romans eight twenty eight. My mom's in the back. This is her favorite verse of all time. And it says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You know, and this is Paul writing to the church of Rome. And he says, man, if you're in his will, it doesn't matter what happens. It is the good of him that you're doing it. You know, that would have been awesome to talk about. I didn't choose that one either. Finally, I could have chosen Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, and this is one of my favorites of all time. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. This is written by Solomon. And, y'all, you know, if, if, we, if we lean on him and if, if we're walking in his will, God will guide us. And again, this would be encouraging because, man, even if you're going through stuff, lean on God and it will work out. Now, but I didn't choose that one either. And so after a lot of prayer, and a lot of thinking and a lot of talking to my wife about what I wanted to talk about, y'all. I stand with my initial gut reaction to what I told uh, Pastor Brian a little bit earlier. So today is obviously going to be a little bit different. I'm going to be vulnerable with y'all for a little bit. And, I, and I, want, I want you to think of this as me and you sitting at a table, drinking coffee, talking about my life. Because we've either been in this situation or some of us in this room are in this situation. So my, my life scripture is Luke 15 verses one through seven. It says this, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So how many of us have heard this parable? Raise your hands. About 99%? <laughs> eh? 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 Yeah, so about most of us. Most of us have heard this parable before, right? But today I want to make it a little more personal. I want, I want to throw my story into this. And, I, and by the end, I hope I can show you just how committed Christ is to us. So we're going to dive in a little bit deeper. So in Luke 15, 1 and 2, it says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. So these dirty people, these tax collectors who were hated because they were traitors, these sinners, the lepers, the lame, the mute, the deaf, y'all back then they thought your sin made you that way and you were not worthy of being saved. And these people, these dirty, were looking for Jesus and wanting anything from him to hold on to. And and the Pharisees hated them, but Jesus welcomed them. He ate with them. He touched them them when they were sick, and he loved them. And then we see these Pharisees who wanted nothing to do with those dirty people and with Jesus because they were holier than thou. They were connected with God. They knew God's word better than anybody else, and they thought these people were unclean and unworthy and less than. I don't know about y'all, but those dirty tax collectors and those, those, those dirty people I can relate to. But I can also relate to those Pharisees and teachers of the law. I have thoughts of, man, I'm not committing that sin. Ugh, can you imagine doing that? I can relate to both parties, y'all. But Jesus came here for all of them. The dirty leper. The hated tax collector. The judgmental Pharisee. He came to save everybody. So let's continue. In Luke 15, 3-4, it says this, Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? So Jesus paints this amazing picture of this scenario, right? We see this lost sheep who's probably afraid. They're alone. They're they're scared. They're confused. They're looking for anything that looks familiar. They're crying out for help. They're a long way from home. They're vulnerable to attack because they have no protection, have you ever wondered why that sheep left? And I don't know about y'all, but I, I wonder this, and so I came up with a few examples of why I think maybe the sheep ran away because it doesn't tell us. So maybe the sheep wanted to go to greener pastures, right? He was following his shepherd, and, and they're going this way, and he's like, wait, what? Nah, there's greener pasture over this one. So he turned that way because he wanted to be well-fed. He thought he could do it on his own. You know, Maybe there was a sheep in the group who made fun of him. Maybe his wool wasn't thick. Maybe he was lame. I don't know. And he was like, I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed. I don't want to be here. I'm going off because nobody loves me. You know, maybe his mom and dad's sheep said, you are staying here with us because we know what's good for you. He said, no, boomer. I know what's best for me. I'm going this way. You know, or maybe the sheep just got lost. I don't know. But it's kind of fun to think about why the sheep... May have been lost. So we see this lost sheep, and now we see this shepherd who is chasing after the sheep. He's worried, he's he's scared, he's looking in the rivers, he's looking over cliffs because he thinks something may have happened to my sheep. He's a long way from home. He he left his protection and his flock to find the one because he loves the one. Doesn't that sheep sound a lot like us? We see something shiny and new and go, whoa that is way better for me. I'm going this way. Maybe we've been hurt by somebody in the church or just a a friend group, and and we're ashamed and we're embarrassed and we walk away just because we want to protect ourselves. Maybe we think, that way? Nope, I can do it way better my way. Maybe we've just been overwhelmed by the world and gotten lost. But but why, why sheep? Why did Jesus talk about sheep? He could have said, hey, you dirty sinner, come to me because I can clean you. But he didn't. He talked about sheep, and I think there's a couple of reasons why. And I think the first is because the people could relate to sheep, right? There were shepherds in the crowd. They, they saw sheep roaming around the countryside. They saw them, in the, they saw them getting sacrificed, so they know, knew the worth of a sheep. They know how valuable each sheep was to that shepherd. The other reason Jesus talked about sheep is because it says in John 10 that he is our good shepherd and it's going to be behind me. He says, Jesus is saying this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Y'all, Jesus uses this example because he is our good shepherd. Now, we see the dirty people We see the the high and mighty. Then we hear Jesus talk about the the sheep being lost and the shepherd going after it. Y'all now we're hitting the climax of the story in verse 5, and it says this. And when he finds it, he being the shepherd and it being the sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents Then over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Y'all, so the shepherd finds his sheep. There's victory. The the sheep is safe. He bends down, picks up the sheep, puts it over his shoulders because he is never, ever, ever letting him go. Then he walks home, calls his friends, calls his family, calls his neighbors, calls anybody who will listen to him to come and celebrate because that lost sheep is found. Y'all, this is huge. He had 100 sheep. He lost one. Y'all, that's 1%. That is a rounding error, right? But he went after the one in the shepherd's eyes. Y'all, in Jesus' eyes, every sheep is, is valuable. So, church family, this is every person's story in this room, not just mine. We have all been the one. And right now, we are either in the ninety-nine. We're celebrating with Jesus, we're walking with Jesus, we believe in Jesus for salvation or we are the one and we have walked away or we never believed in Jesus. We are 99 or we are the one. When you put your faith in Jesus, your story ends and then begins with Jesus holding on to you and never letting go. We may stray at times, y'all, but that's why the shepherds got the staff to pull us back. So in the end, Luke 15, 1 through 7 is my perfect life scripture. Y'all don't get to see it, but you see it on your handouts. I titled my sermon, I Once Was Lost. Y'all, I strayed for many years. I chased earthly things. I chased earthly pleasures. But Jesus never, ever, ever gave up on me. Y'all, this section of scripture is my testimony. It shows my fickle heart. It's, but it shows the love, the grace, the mercy, and the truth that Jesus Christ has for me. So today, if you're part of the 99, how does that feel? If you're part of the 99, how does that feel? Yeah, right? It feels good, right? Being part of the 99 feels good. We have our good shepherd. He has saved us. He's wrapped us over his shoulders, and he is with us. We have a relationship with him. It should feel The roof should have blown off this building, y'all. It's awesome. At home, I hope your roof blew off too. But he knows y'all, right? Jesus knows you. He is our good shepherd. And I find that you, I I hope and I pray that you find peace being part of the 99. But today, if you're part of the one, at home too. If you're part of the one, I'm speaking to you. Jesus is seeking after you. He loves you. He's worried about you. He's seeking after you. Y'all, he cannot wait to rejoice with you when you come home. And I know what it's like to be lost, angry, hurt, confused, mad at God. You fill in the blank of all those bad words. I know what that's like. So I want to I end with this, that God called me to ministry many, many years ago. My mom said since I was like this high, you were going to go into ministry, and I fought it from there to here. I fought it for many, many years. I, I went off, did my own thing. I, I drank earthly pleasures, whatever you name it, I, I did it. I fought that calling for years, y'all, but that whole time Jesus was seeking after me and four years ago I listened and I moved back to Texas to start it. He's been seeking after me my entire life, y'all, and I I knew him and I loved him, but I went off to greener pastures. Y'all, my testimony is messy. I'm the dirty leper, the hated tax collector. I'm the Pharisee. I'm the teacher of the law. Y'all, but Christ took that dirty, nasty story that I had that I created myself and he turned it and to a beautiful, beautiful testimony. So if that's your story today, you're lost and you do not know if you'll ever be found, I want you to email me literally as soon as you leave, TroyR at hillcountry.life, because I want to talk to you. I want you to know, you that are the one, God has never, ever left you. He's ready for you to come home. He will not judge you and he is not ashamed of you. He just wants you. Y'all, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Let's pray. Thank you. Dear Lord Heavenly Father, uh, just thank you for today, Lord, and, and thank you for seeking after us. We, Lord, we are so unworthy. We are we are sheep. Lord, and we and we wander off. But you love us so much that you you chase after us and you never leave our side no matter what we do, Lord. I'm so grateful for that. Lord, I want to pray first for the for the people who identify with the 99 sheep. Lord, I I, I rejoice with them and I and I and I'm happy for them and I and I pray that they seek you in everything that they do, Lord. But I, I want to lift up the one to you right now, the, the person in this room or online who may be struggling or may feel unworthy or ashamed, Lord, you love them. No matter, you, Lord, you came to die for the, the the righteous, but you also came to die for the unrighteous as well, Lord. So I pray for that one that they can they can you know have the courage to come and talk to me or or somebody that they know that loves Christ and can begin that that um that 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 turn to back to you, Lord. I, I pray for this congregation today that they can get home safely and they can have a good time, Lord. I pray over them uh, when Thanksgiving comes they can have a lot of fun with their family, Lord. I'm just so grateful for you and everything that you do for us, Lord. It's your name I pray, Amen. All right, y'all. Y'all go out and have a great week.